Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to... Man, called to live, commanded to love. Pause. That commandment to love. Beyond the limits of your prejudices and commissioned by God to serve. So here's how we say it here, FCB fam, FCBC family, what? We live. Good. I'm going to do something. I'm not going to be long today. I think I've said enough already. Um, but I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use three scriptures and try to make it make sense this morning on Pride and Graduation Sunday. Psalm 139, I want to lift up, which is actually our movement theme. I use that language not in reaction to racism, but movement. Our FCBC movement, that's right, the FCBC movement, in case you don't know, is Be Human. That is our Be Human movement. Because as we've seen just this week in the past, the past weeks with the shootings in Buffalo or the murders in Buffalo and the murders in Uvalde, that, that we, we are in the midst of a human crisis, not just a political one, a human crisis. We've forgotten what it meant to value life. Tomorrow, tomorrow here, we'll be um, having a homegoing celebration for service for a young man, Darius Lee, who was killed here in Harlem. Young man on scholarship playing basketball at Houston Baptist University, that service is here tomorrow, killed for no apparent reason, wrong place, wrong time. But the problem is we are devaluing life. And it's not just here, it's around the country. All right? So Psalm 139 is, is our kind of movement-based psalm. But I want to lift up verse 14 in particular. Psalm 139 to 14, here's what it says. I praise you. And the psalmist is speaking to God. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then Matthew 7. 1 through 7. I'm going to read this quickly. No, 1 through 5. I apologize. 1 through 5. And I hope the real sanctified people are listening to this one. This is Jesus speaking, by the way which what I've discovered is actually offensive to people who are Christians, to some people. Jesus, can you imagine when, when for Christians, Jesus becomes offensive? This ain't Pastor Mike, this is Jesus speaking. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Why do you seek See the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye. 
Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. And then Luke 6, verse 37. Very similar, but I just want to lift up one verse. Very similar. This is Jesus again. This is verse Luke 6, verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Come on, let's pray. God, we honor you on today, and we thank you, O Lord, for how you continue to move in this space how you continue to make your presence known through your conduits of love. We are those conduits, oh God. We are the embodiments of that love. We are the embodiments of your grace. We are the embodiments of your mercy. And why? Because we are all beneficiaries, oh God. We've been blessed by your grace and blessed by your mercy and blessed by your love. Thank you, God for reminding us that we belong to you. And because we belong to you, oh God, it does not matter what other people think. We live, as one writer put it, subspatie eternitatis, under the very gaze of God. We stand under your gaze because we live under your grace. We thank you, God. We honor you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Today, I, I, I want to read that Luke 6 passage and keep the other two in mind. Luke 6, 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Amen. Come on, put your hands together today and give the Lord a hand for the praise. Do me a favor while you're sitting down. Look at your neighbor and tell them simply, neighbor, celebrate yourself. Come on, turn to the other neighbor and tell them, neighbor, celebrate yourself. Amen. We thank God on today. Listen, this may not be so much of a sermon as it is as me just trying to teach and unpack some of the cultural insanity that bombards us every day, especially the kind of cultural insanity that assaults us from places that are supposed to be citadels of grace. Places that are supposed to be representatives of not only the love of God, but the teachings of Jesus. I'm often amazed at how people, Christians, Christians who claim to be Christ-like, well, pause for a second, Reverend Alicia, because it's easy to be Christ-like, honestly, because Christ is actually a title. It is not the embodiment or persona of character of the man Jesus. Christ is a title. Can you imagine at the end of the day, we in Christianity, some of us find ourselves worshiping a title and not honoring a person? Christ was not his last name. It was a title heaped upon him. Jesus, the Christ. 
but he was Jesus the carpenter, the poor Palestinian Jewish carpenter who sought through his teachings and preachings to liberate the minds of those who were oppressed. And why? Because Jesus was among the ranks of those who were oppressed. I wish some of us today who claim to be activists or have some activist orientation who feel powerless in this country right now because of the radically political Supreme Court, I wish some of us who want to know what to do or try to figure out what to do would actually pay attention to the ministry mechanisms of Jesus. I wish we would take Jesus seriously in that regard because when I read Jesus and study Jesus, I discover that what Jesus is doing is demonstrating how to liberate and empower in a moment when you feel captive and powerless. That in his preaching and in his teaching, he is seeking to liberate and empower. Now, I want you to hear me. Jesus understood what danger could be. It would have been dangerous if Jesus led a march on Rome. It would have been dangerous if Jesus tried to challenge Caesar directly. Now, let me be clear. It is not that marching doesn't have its place. It does. I have marched. I believe in protest. But Jesus, in Jesus's day, understood that to lead a march against Rome would have been viewed as an insurrection and everyone would have been slaughtered. So if you can't challenge directly the power of authority and the seat of power, how do you liberate people? How do you transform culture? How do you empower people? You do so by paying attention to the work of Jesus. Because here's the deal. I've said in other places, if you are oppressed, part of the reinforcement of your oppression is the belief in the narrative that the oppressors have constructed about you. In other words, you actually believe what those who don't like you say about you. You actually believe the narrative of those who are seeking to dehumanize you be the thing that guides you. It is a strange thing when you view yourself through the lens of people who don't care for your humanity. It is a dangerous thing when you look at yourself through the eyes of those who do not care whether you live or die, who have no concern about your welfare, your well-being, your spiritual, emotional, or even physical wellness. And too many of us have been well, held captive by capitulating to the opinions of others. I said it in the prayer. I stand under the gaze of God. I do not look at myself through the gaze of white supremacy, nor do I look at myself through the gaze of oppression, nor do I look at myself through the gaze of systems designed to undermine the inherent dignity of my personal humanity. I do not see myself like that. I understand this one thing very clearly, that I have been fearfully and wonderfully made and I am part of some of God's wonderful works see when you understand that you don't get concerned about definitions steep in lies and deception when you clear about who you are you don't find yourself giving in to what other people think about you especially those people who believe in myths of racial superiority and think somehow your chocolate self with your multi-youth self is problematic for other folk if you don't like the way I look and like the way I am don't talk to me talk to the one who made me and constructed me in this way Jesus teaches that in order to break the chains of oppressive structures, that the most profound way to do it is to give the oppressor no one to oppress. 
What do you mean? Well, you see, you may feel my body belongs to you. But let me just serve you notice, my mind don't. My spirit don't. My heart don't. My soul don't. So Jesus understood that we, that they were living in a restricted time under Roman occupation. Their possibility of rising socially was thwarted. They were socially immobile, politically impotent. How do you free people like that? You liberate their minds. You shift the culture by changing the minds. Because you don't shift the culture cosmetically. You shift it existentially. The very being of who people are. And you see, what Jesus, I'm convinced, was also worried about to those who followed him were repeating the mechanisms and ways of those who were oppressing them. Oh, hold on. Because I don't want to be free to be like you. My freedom is not on the table so that I can become a copy of the culprits. So that if I fight for freedom, I'm not fighting to just restack the power structure. I'm fighting to expose the power structure and then push to culturally, spiritually reimagine it. This is why when Jesus is teaching, remember, Jesus is teaching and talking to his people for the most part. Again, people who are also under oppressive structures. And here's what he reminds them sometimes. You get no credit for loving folk who hate you, or rather hating folk who hate you. He said everybody can do that. Even the inconsistent hypocrites hate those who hate them or love those who love you. That's why he pushes this hard thing. Love your enemy. Why? Because he was just consumed with this notion of this uh, 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 lame understanding of love. No, it's because he knew that if we simply strive to be like those who hold us captive, we are no better. And so Jesus institutes a new way of being, a new way of belonging. And that new way of being and belonging comes with a beautiful name, the kingdom of God. And he believed this, that the kingdom of God, as he was giving it, teaching it, explaining it, was what? Good news. Good news for who? Good news for those who are oppressed. Good news for those who languish on the shores of hypocrisy. Good news. And so what he wants those, his followers to fully understand in so many ways is what? You lead with love. But if you lead with love, love is not about how you define love. And that's why Jesus never defines it. I'm amazed at people who frustrate themselves trying to come to a definition of love. Because as many people are in this building tonight, today, that's how many different definitions we will get. But what Jesus shows is not how you define love. He shows acts of love. What love looks like when love is incarnate. He didn't talk about theoretical love. It's called incarnational love. 
That means embodied love. How do you embody love? How do you demonstrate love on a daily basis? What does love look like as it comes through the expression of your actions? That's what Jesus is seeking to show. So it's not enough to say, I love you, but my love in you is not accompanied by certain practices that demonstrate the depth of my love for you. That's why you don't measure love by speech alone, because the speech and the action have to be in alignment. Because if the speech and the action are not in alignment, then both undermine one another. If I love you, I need to act like I love you. And if I act like I love you, I may not even necessarily need to tell you, but it's in alignment with what I say. I can't tell you I love you and beat you up. I can't tell you I love you and then beat you down. And most of all, I can't say I love you and I spend my days as a preacher or a priest or a clergy saying I love you with the love of Jesus. I love you with agape love and every day, get in the pulpit mad and trying to find out who are the next candidates for hell. Now, if I follow the teachings of Jesus accurately, what I discover is some of Jesus's harshest words are never directed towards those who have been socially marginalized or ostracized. His harshest words have not been directed towards those who have been wounded by a larger culture that seeks to render them irrelevant. Jesus' harshest words come to those who feel like they are part of the religious aristocracy. Those who, well, let me put it to you in, in the more contemporary vernacular. He reserves some of his harshest criticism for the uh, pious church folk who forget that they were sinners and are sinners daily saved by grace. We forget that part. Some church folk act like we used to sin. Jesus would say, hypocrite. Church folk want to act like they don't do anything wrong, hypocrite. Jesus reserved his greatest critique and that word hypocrite for people who claim to understand and know God, but use their position, power, privilege to beat and destroy people. How do you destroy people from a pulpit in Jesus' name? How do you try to dehumanize people in the pulpit in Jesus' name? You can find another name, but don't use the carpenter's name. Because the carpenter is quite clear. And I say this to all who may be watching this or get a clip of this and try to take a clip of this and say I'm a heretic. Let me talk about Jesus for a second because these ain't my words. Jesus, the one you love, the one whose name you say you better pray and end up praying his name. The one you use as a tagline because you think somehow that all Jesus is good for is for being crucified, for rising, and somehow his blood covers your insanity. That's the only time you use Jesus. No, I don't want to talk about the theological or doctrinal interpretation of who I believe Jesus to be. And then somehow try to convince you that who I believe Jesus to be is who Jesus is. No, I want to talk about what Jesus actually said. It boggles my imagination that people who love Jesus so much don't quote what he said. Why? Because what he said would undermine your personal agenda steeped in prejudice and your political agenda steeped in oppression. Stop bastardizing the name of Jesus. 
and start honoring the teachings of Jesus. Why? All you who watching who want to put somebody in hell because you don't like them. Pause for a second. You actually are crazy enough to believe that God don't like who you don't like. The real problem is you got a problem loving who Jesus would love. And so because you don't like him, you think somehow God going to honor your personality disorder. Judge not. Unless you're ready to be judged with that same judgment. Don't look at the speck in my eye. And you got a whole tree coming out of your eye. Don't try to get me right when you ain't even seeing the issues you're dealing with. He said, before you worry about me, wipe your own face. Deal with your own issues. That's what's going on now. Luke 6, judge not or you will be judged. Don't condemn or you will be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. That's Jesus. This ain't me. And yet you trying to find opportunities to put people in hell, to tell them they sick and sinners. Let me pause for a second. Let me hit this direct. I'm going to sit down because there might be some folk waiting outside with sniper bullets and stuff. Now, let me let me let me let me let me put this out there because it's Pride Sunday. Right? There are people who say and will say, but pastor, how do you let members of the LGBTQ community in the church and, and have leadership positions and get ordained and all this stuff? Watch this. It's an abomination. They will protest. From here to all over this country protesting against today. You had a man who ran women over at an anti at a pro-abortion rally. You had in South Africa and in Oslo, Norway, people attacked folk in a gay club. Killed. I want you to hear this. But it's an abomination. Okay. I'll let you keep the abomination. I'll let you have it. Here's what I just want you to do. Be consistent because the Bible is filled with things that God calls an abomination. Can, can I tell you one of those abominations? Mixing fabrics. I ain't seen no protest for people wearing a wool and silk blend yet. I just want the energy to be consistent. If you're going to be consistent about abomination, protest at Saks Fifth Avenue for making so many clothes that are mixed fabrics. Oh, you got another one? Watch this. Watch this. Oppressing the needy is an abomination. And yet some of the same folk who are anti-gay are also anti-poor in poverty. In the sense, not anti-poverty, but anti-those who are impoverished. All I'm saying is bring the same energy since you're so concerned about abomination. Bring the same energy. Know another abomination? Leaving widows and children hungry and orphaned. You see, the question has to be, 
Why is this abomination the one? It's because this abomination has been culturally shaped by people's personal prejudice. And the church has sanctified prejudice for far too long. Jesus, 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 keep it. You want to say it's a sin? Okay, I'm not going to argue. Go ahead, you interpret the scripture how you want. But there was a scene in the scriptures, Pastor Green, where, where these religious leaders brought this woman to Jesus, caught in adultery. They had a personal agenda. They wanted to really catch him. They weren't concerned about being morally or ethically consistent because the Torah said that, yes, the person should be stoned, but the Torah says both persons should be stoned. But here it is again, a bunch of men who are in power trying to determine that somehow the women is more subject to the law than men. And so they don't bring the man, they just bring the woman. They ready to stone the woman. Maybe the man was one of their boys and they didn't really want to do him any harm. And so and so they brought her to Jesus. And here it is. And Jesus and Jesus looks at them. And they say the law says they should be stoned. What do you say? I love this because sometimes you don't have to answer people because the minute you answer some people, you validate their insanity. Jesus don't say nothing. He just kneels down and start writing in the sand and 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 and, and writing in the sand. And nobody knows he wrote. But I'm convinced that maybe he started writing some of the other abominations. Maybe he started writing all the sins across. And then it said he got up and said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. They all walk away from the oldest to the youngest. He asked, where are your accusers? She says, they have all gone. Jesus says, well, neither do I condemn. Now, why she's apart, go and sin no more. Now, somebody said, what you said, don't sin no more. Well, no, hold on. What did he really mean? Because if you go back to the Old Testament after the flood and when God smelled the aroma of Noah's sacrifice, God said, never again will I punish because of sin. See, I know the Bible. That's the problem. He said, because human beings, every proclivity, he said, is the sin. So hold on. If God said, I won't do this again. Now you start to take up a project God dropped. No. Because if you want to use that argument, it breaks down in the face of Scripture. But if you're a Christian, Jesus leads the way. Judge not, condemn not, forgive. We are here on graduation prize Sunday. And can I tell you what it is? It is a day of celebration. Right? Celebrate you. And don't hide you. Don't give in to other people's definitions of who you should be. Celebrate yourself. It doesn't matter who you are. Celebrate that. We've made people hide themselves for far too long. We've made people dehumanize themselves for far too long. And we've done it in Jesus' name. No, instead of throwing me some scripture from the Old Testament that you don't even understand because you don't even read Hebrew. 
at least have the decency to quote Jesus. And here's what I want you to do with your research. Find out if Jesus validates your bigotry, your prejudice, your patriarchy. See if you find words in Jesus' teaching that validate those things. You don't. He breaks barriers when it comes to engaging people who are socially outcasts and socially marginalized. Read the Gospels. Read it. Don't go on some line that somebody gave you and you ran with it. Paul said it this way, study to show thyself approved. We are in a time right now if we are not careful, we're going to allow hate to chase people away from the teachings of Jesus. And those of us who seek to honor these teachings need to be just as vocal as those who are trying to destroy this country. I want you to hear that. Pride Sunday is about celebrating human beings. Plain and simple. And the capacity to celebrate yourself. You should be so consumed with celebrating who you are that you're not trying to tear down somebody else. And you should be so secure in who you are that you don't spend time trying to judge and condemn and tear down somebody else. Oh, I get it. Your insecurity is shaping your narrative. Your fear is shaping your words. Your hate is a vehicle by which you're expressing your humanity. I get it. But for God's sake, don't do it in Jesus' name. Be honest. Say what you don't like. Say what you have a problem with. But don't shroud it or couch it or hide it in Jesus' name. Because the minute you do that, you've given me a reason to come for you. And let me say this, for those who are gonna run and take this, don't come for me. Unless you're ready. Because I didn't earn this position with a few tweets. I ain't get here from a few posts. I got here because God put me here and I gave myself to this word. I ain't some fly-by-night theologian or some jack-leg preacher. I got here because I gave myself to this word. Now I ain't gonna let no ignorant, arrogant fool try to dictate to me the terms of this word. Because the most diabolical duo in our land right now is ignorance and arrogance working hand in hand to guide our country. Come on, stand on your feet today, beloved. Listen, we're going to be a little late today. That's all right. To my graduates, celebrate you.
And I want to say this. And listen, y'all bear with me today. Usually we try to get out here by 1230, but this is crazy. Here's what I want to do today. I want those people in here today who you came back to church. Watch this. I'm not glorifying this place, but a few things. Because you encountered FCBC. Watch. I want you to hear this. Because, because you stopped going to church you were made to feel like you couldn't be proud because you were being beat, verbally destroyed by people who tried to weaponize the Bible and weaponize their prejudice. If you've been damaged by church because somehow you felt unseen, watch this. Not because of your choice, but because of who you are. I want you to come down here today. We're going to pray today. And don't be ashamed. Because let me tell you, can I say this to you? These shirts ain't about merchandise. This is about belief. This is about standing in solidarity with our brothers and sisters and non-binary and transgender. You ought to feel, don't be, and, and keep on coming because we're going to wait. I want you to know, no matter who you are and where you are, that you will always have a place, not only here, but a place in the presence of the carpenter. So if you're upstairs, we'll wait for you. You know why? Because for too long, too many people have had to hide and suffer in silence. Or even worse, watch this. The church will use your gift until you actually say who you are. And then all of a sudden, we got a problem. No, that's hypocrisy. So if you're here today, and you've been that person damaged, and people told you that something was wrong with you, that God was going to punish you, and you were going to hell because you were queer. Okay, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And I know whoever want to take this little clip, run with it. Run, tell it. Because we're going to do this, what? In Jesus' name. What are we going to do? We're going to love, honor, affirm, validate, welcome. That's what we are called to do and who we are called to be. Do you understand how many children how many children in this city are homeless because some of them who have Christian families kicked them out because they were gay or that's sad. You mean to tell me that your love for your child 
is not transcendent. It's not unconditional. No, come on down. Make room. Just, just spread out. Come on down. So here's what I want to say. For those who don't have the courage to say it. To, my, to those who came down today. For those who are not courageous enough to say it. Forgive us. For our ignorance. Forgive us. For our mean-spiritedness. Forgive us for our hate. And can I tell you this? There are a whole lot of folk today, on this day, this Pride Sunday, who are mad with the church and angry with the church because of what they encountered in the church, the hate. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I put it to you this way in an analogy. Someone said, I'm not going to church anymore. I just it's filled with hate. This may seem a little funny, but I want you to hear this. A couple weeks ago, I went to a restaurant. Food was horrible. Man, it was bad. I suffered through it. But you know what happened when I left the restaurant? I didn't say, I'm never going out to eat again. I just said, I ain't going to that restaurant again. If you've had that encounter in church, guess what? Just don't go to that place again. But there are a whole lot of places where you can go and be fed and enjoy and be who you are. And guess what? Loved unconditionally. And can I tell you, this is one of those places. And I thank God for being a part of this community. And this place. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you today and we honor you today, oh God. For the spirit of love that inhabits this house. This place should not be a place and ever be a place where hate is on the agenda. And discrimination is the guide. And prejudice is the center. This place, these places who claim to honor the teachings of Jesus ought to be places where people feel valued and valuable, loved and affirmed for who they are. Because God, the truth is all of us, all of us, all of us have been fearfully and wonderfully made. There's some right now, oh God, for all their lives, they just wanted to hear that nothing was wrong with them. So God, we have to say there's nothing wrong. And you are beautiful. And can I tell you, you are good, whole, complete, and lacking nothing. God, thank you for this season, this moment. And we honor you. We will continue to stand in solidarity with our, our family members who have borne the burden and brutality of hypocrisy and hate. Thank you for allowing this to be a place where revolutionary love is real and radical acceptance is real.
Thank you for letting this be a place where love is always at the forefront of what we do. And not just love in theory, but love in practice. We thank you, God. We love you, Lord. And we honor you, God. For we, as long as we have breath, we will live. We will love. And we will serve. In Jesus' name, we will do that. In Jesus' name. We will honor. In Jesus' name, we will liberate. In Jesus' name, we will set free. In Jesus' name, we will loose. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. And it's in your name we pray. We say amen. Amen. Come on, tell somebody that you love them today. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the Internet at FCBCNYC.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.